Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 21 of Thrive Deeper. It is I, your humble host, DJ Payne, and on this exciting episode, Matthew and I follow up on a little bit of the uh, discussion coming out of last week's episode, episode 20, which covered 1 Timothy chapter 2, the discussion about women's and men's roles in the church. So we cover a couple of questions on that. We get into the rest of 1 Timothy and then the second book of Timothy. We wrap it all up in this episode uh, without getting too emotional because the end of 2 Timothy always gets me uh, right in the feels, as they say. (laughs) All right, so stay tuned because after the episode, I'm going to be back at the end of this discussion and let you know some very important information that we've got for you that uh, you'll definitely want to stick around and hear. All right, without further ado, here's episode 21 of Thrive Deeper. Alrighty, um, you're tired. You want yeah, to have a sleep right, during this? You just you just have a sleep for this episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you'll over. You'll be right. Yeah. You, you've got it. <laughs> I'll I'll just ask questions and then put on another voice. Well, I think about I don't know what what voice that was. Uh, all right, now we are coming into this episode twenty one, uh, straight off the back of episode twenty, which was all about First uh, Timothy. Chapter 2, in, in fact, I think it was just seven verses in Chapter 2. Mm. It's a small chapter. Yeah. That last half of that, which is about the roles of women and men in the church, according mm. to Paul. And it's one of his, and again, one of the most important points that came out of last week's episode, I think, is that we need to consider this passage alongside all the other passages of yeah. instructions to church. And and also, the, the, in, in thinking about it afterwards, you know, uh, I thought how difficult it is to think about these things within the world that we're used to. Uh, and um, the, the key thing about the good, the good news that Paul is announcing is that he is envisaging a whole new way of doing things. So a whole new form, whole new forms of leadership and, and uh, relationship, interpersonal relationships and mm. uh, completely reimagined. And actually, a lot of these issues, like the relationships and roles, um, gender relationships and gender roles, need to be envisaged not in our world and the way that we think of leadership and power, and uh, but actually in the um, within the, the the kingdom kind of vision that Paul has, okay. in which leadership is about service, in which in in which power is envisaged in a completely different way as self sacrifice and mm. and. Uh, so it's like an inverted worldview, and I think a lot of the reactions against some of these statements of Paul are reactions from uh, a different kind of worldview, whereas I think the most important thing is to step into his worldview, relationships reimagined, leadership reimagined, roles reimagined, and and to view it within that. Okay. Context. So as we're viewing it from within there, and there's so much more we could say, yeah. even even about this and bringing other passages, but we're trying to stick right into uh, uh, the first book of uh, you know Timothy. There, we've got a great question from Meg Thompson, and this has uh, popped up on our Facebook group, and mm. I'd, I'd love to encourage any everybody uh, to find those links. Uh, you can find all of those links over at thrivetoday.net.au and join in the discussion, like Meg Thompson has, and she says, "What about a woman?" who God has given the gift of teaching. Should she just ignore this God-given gift because of what Paul says, this is something I've always struggled with? Uh, no, no. I, I, I don't think she should. not. I don't think that's uh, really the point of, of all of this. I think, um, uh, I think as we saw last episode, Paul is speaking of a very specific situation which he sees the the situation in the garden as having been repeated in the Ephesian church. Yes. You know, of, of uh, with um, with all of the, uh, 
you know, the, the, the other trappings of this false teaching that had gained entrance through mainly the influential women in the church, because, of course, in the early church there was this very countercultural elevation of the role uh, of women, actually. That, that's an mm. important context. Um, but this false teaching had made its way in through the sort of matriarchs of the church. And part of this, uh, of course, is that, you know, you need to live this ascetic life and not... Uh, which, which includes giving up... Um, uh, getting married and having kids and you know so he validates childbirth no yes. you you can be saved through childbirth and so there's a very specific situation there there is also a principle at work and the principle uh is the headship principle i think paul wants the um uh the 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 roles in the church to reflect those in the family where he sees uh guys as kind of the spiritual uh, a little bit like the priest of the family, if in using that sort of old covenant kind yes. of uh, sort of imagery. You know, yeah. it's like the the, the man as the uh, as the head of the household in that sense, mm. very much in this self sacrifice self sacrificial sense that I referred to just mm. uh, just then. Um, and he wants that to be reflected in the church. Now, as long as that's the case, there's certainly uh, I don't be- I don't believe there's any uh, you know blanket. Um, uh, a rule or anything that prevents, uh, uh, you know, women from from teaching in the church. That's not. I, I think that that would yeah. misunderstand his point. Look, I, I think he's. Uh, I think he. Uh, oh no, I won't go further than that. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I, I to, to some extent, and and this is probably um, this is just my 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 thoughts about it but I, mm-hmm. I you know i think he probably sees that as being something that goes with that that the teaching responsibility as in teaching the word goes with that priestly kind of role uh, i think paul does see that okay uh, as going with that role okay uh, but i certainly so so i think while while he wants to emphasize that i don't think it necessarily rules out uh, um, uh, women from Fulfilling a, a teaching role in in Paul's, I'm, I'm talking about yes. Paul. Um, so I don't think he's ruling that out because clearly in, in the early church, uh, women were active in many different ways, and and I think that's validated in a number of areas of the New Testament. Okay, okay, great. I, I, I'd love to unpack and I'd love to unpack a little bit more because I think that's a really rich. Um, you know, uh, way of thinking and the way, and an outview there uh, of of this particular passage here, what Paul's talking about is is and you sort of flew over it before, and we've sort of flown over it a couple times. Yeah. Is that Paul is making a, a a direct example of what is happening in this church that Timothy is overseeing yeah. with Adam and Eve? Yeah. Yeah, that's an important point. So he sees the he sees the created order of having been reversed somehow, uh, and essentially, as I said, he sees the creation scenario. The, sorry, the fall scenario, Genesis chapter three, mm-hmm. as having been repeated somehow in the Ephesian church. Oh, look, it's happened. Just yeah. exactly what happened uh, in in the garden is exactly what happened in the Ephesian church, uh, and and he wants to put things back uh, in 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 the order that they should be, including. Um, putting uh, the onus on on the guys in the church to say, come on, step up and take your role here mm-hmm. as the protectors and the priests uh, of, your, of, your, of your families and communities. And so I think he does want to put an emphasis on that. And, uh, and he wants to assure, as I said, he wants to assure... Um, uh, he wants to assure women that they don't have to lead, lead these ascetic uh, mm-hmm. lives of... Um, uh, no marriage, no no children, no anything. So, so there's two things, very specific scenario going yes, on. Yes, but there are general principles that we can draw out of that. So, out of the two, the two most controversial verses, it all comes down to the uh, you know yeah. verse eleven, verse twelve, uh, and in the New Living Translation, women should learn quietly and submissively. Is, I, I, we should just say this is. First Timothy, Timothy chapter, chapter two, two, yeah, verses eleven, twelve. Sorry, yeah. thank you for that clarification. I do not, and then verse twelve says, "I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly." 
Yeah. Now, they're the two verses that – and I, 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 we can keep going over and over this, and I think there's many questions. Here's my question, Matt. Here's my question. This, this might be a bit of a curly one. Okay. You've really thrown us. You've thrown us back in there. I thought uh, we'd yeah, – You wanted to just I thought we'd through. left this behind. But, you wanted uh, to through. You, you, want to, you want to drag, no, drag be, me back because, into the pit. Because here's my question. Here's my question that, that I keep pondering is why is this such a heavy – why do people perceive this as so heavy verses? Why does it stumble? Why does it make us stumble? Ah, oh, because I, I, I can, I guess I can see why, because it just doesn't look like, in from our worldview, when we look at that, it looks like it's demeaning of women, it looks like it under undervalues women, it looks like it's, um, it, it's, it's making him the big boss that gets to tell her what to do. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it seems to be validating. I mean, these are all the reasons why I think people struggle with it because it seems to be validating, uh, you know, hundreds of years, even thousands of years of uh, the oppression of women. Uh, now, it's not doing any of those things, yes. which is why we needed to have the conversation about that, about what is really going on here. Now, of course, again, that's viewing it through the lens of uh, of another kind of worldview, a very fallen worldview. But in the worldview of a renewed king, you know, the kingdom of God, yes. uh, where all relationships are redefined, where, as Paul says elsewhere, there is no slave or free, no man or woman, no Jew or Gentile. There's just people. We're, yeah. we're just all people. It's not, you know, the, all of these distinctions that were such a big deal in the ancient world. Paul wants to just, he wants to uh, sweep right across those. He wants to see um, the the gospel, uh, the good news of of Jesus, this revolutionary thing that Jesus has brought in, the kingdom of God, uh, redefines relationships in such a way that all of those divisions yeah. that previously existed, all of those inequalities are completely leveled. And we see that happening in the church. Now, he doesn't. this doesn't mean that he throws out gender in terms of there being different Different roles. gender roles. Yes, yes. Uh, I think he's he's hanging on to that. But again, even how we envisage those roles is important that we don't view those roles through the uh, you know through the lens of a fallen worldview. I love it. We need to view it through yes. the lens of this new kingdom of God worldview. Okay, okay. Which and changes everything. That yeah, changes everything. And, and it's also very important that Paul is giving Timothy a corrective. Like this is his prescription. Yeah. As, as a doctor, this is his prescription yeah. of correcting a problem within a, yeah. within an existing yeah. congregation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from that. And I've got a few Thank other. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting chapter two behind us now. I reckon I, I reckon I came out from that last episode with a headache. I really did. <laughs> you did. I saw you walk out of the studio, and it was like he's a he's a broken man now. Uh, now, chapter three. I want to move into chapter three, and we're going to loosely go through this. And this is this is chapter three in one Timothy, where mm. where he gives, uh, you know, on the back of all of these gender things and talking about worship and stuff, it can seem that people are discouraged from taking leadership in the church. And Paul goes on to say, no, no, no. If someone aspires to leadership within a church, it's a great thing. Uh, Here's some qualifications. Yeah. So around those qualifications, a couple of questions. Now, he goes from talking about leaders, church leaders, some translations say elders, and then he goes on to talk about deacons. Other translations have, you know, there's different words here. Yeah. Is it all the same? Is it semantics in this, uh, you know, in, in a Baptist tradition, you might see some elders, but over here in this Baptist tradition, they've got deacons. In in this Presbyterian tradition, they've got a different word for it. Are the words important? Uh, is it important that we have a badge with our name and it says elder on it? Or is it you're just doing the job within the church? This is how we qualify you. Uh, you know, yeah, okay. Are the off is this office you know the office is important you know uh, okay well, well I think the principle of leadership is very important yeah and I think first of all so I'm, I'm just working big picture for the Great. moment um, the the idea of leadership and responsibility it's that there is that there there are levels of responsibility and and Paul and the New Testament validates the idea of leadership mm-hmm. uh, I know that there there have been some you know, m- minor movements. I think, like the Quakers, for example, would would have no leadership at all. Yes, it's just Jesus is our leader, and there's no th- th- very there's flat. That's right, very flat. 
Whereas, you know, I think, uh, I think that Paul validates leadership very much as, yes. a, as a principle, that that's a thing. And, and, and again, though, we need to view leadership through a kingdom of God lens and not through a fallen world lens, yeah. where, where leadership can too easily be associated with power and, and he's the big boss that gets to tell everyone what to do. Leadership in the uh, biblical sense is defined by Jesus' leadership, who says, uh, you know, you are not, said to his disciples, you're not to lord it over each other mm. as the Gentiles do, uh, but you, you'd exercise this self-sacrificial uh, form of leadership, servant leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he who wants to be a leader must become the servant of all. Right? Right. That's leadership completely reimagined. I mean, no one was saying that at the time no. about leadership. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus and, and, institutes this completely new view of what leadership is and, that he says is going to be – sorry, I'm going to let you get a word yeah. in a moment <laughs> – that he that he knows and, and says is going to be way more effective yeah. than any other form of leadership. Uh, exactly. And I just want to reiterate, you said, you know, no one was saying what was Paul saying back then about leadership. Today, nobody's saying, uh, my boy. <laughs> he goes, well, yeah, it's, it, it's out there a little bit in, yeah. in leadership, you know, the idea of being – because – this these Christian ideas yes. have um, have infused themselves into our into our culture. But I, know, I would argue that broadly. the the overwhelming cultures around the world today that in mm. in most you know whether it's Western uh, you know Eastern Asian African cultures leadership is something to be grasped and lorded over people and, yeah, yeah. and for self gain. We see that over yeah. and over again. I mean, it can happen in churches. Yes, too. exactly. It, ironically, exactly. I mean, yeah. uh, tragically, ironically. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so that you know, leadership is um, is an important principle. Now, uh, to get to your question more directly, <clears throat> in terms of how that's structured with elders and yes. then deacons, look, I think there's a principle there. I think uh, that there there's the principle of um, recognizing specific roles within specific kinds of leadership roles. You know, so in the early church, the deacons were set aside as administrators to administrate, you know, the food supplies and the flow of resources and various things. Yeah. And then there, there, there was uh, the apostles and the elders, uh, and I'm talking about the original 12 apostles. Yes. Uh, but, but, but after that, the elders were seen as having a spiritual leadership kind of role, like a shepherding, okay. more of a shepherding pastoral role, perhaps. Yep. Uh, within that was included the teaching role. So Paul focused on the, you know, the, the teaching role of elders very much. Um, so there are certainly those, those elements. Different kinds of leadership are recognized. Now, how we structure that yeah. today and how we use these words, um, there are lots of different approaches to this. And there have been throughout the history of the church, and so, you know, I, you know, we we are part of a Baptist church. You know, Baptist churches are fairly flat uh, leadership uh, wise. They, you know, the, um, but we still have an eldership. Um, in our case, we have governance and uh, and pastoral elders. Yes. So um, we we. You know, we recognise those two elements of leadership. Now, we don't actually call anyone deacon, yeah. because there's a sense there's a sense that um, I'm just talking about what we do, and I'm not saying that that's Correct. the right. In fact, I'm not even sure there is like a right way of doing it. I think just whatever whatever works, can, can as long I, as we recognise the principles. This this is one of the great things about. Um about the New Testament, about 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 the Bible, and even the, even going even specifically the teaching of Jesus, uh, you know, and the apostles, especially Paul afterwards, is that it is so. It's it, in one hand, it is so clear and 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 defined mm. with with different things. He gives instruction that is very clear, like what mm. these what the what the qualifications mm. are. But on the other hand, it is so loosey goosey to be able to fit into any culture around the world. Like he, he, I think there's a, the beauty. Like it's the same when you're talking about parenting yeah. in the Bible. You know the parenting styles, and this this is another way. Like in mm. the fa- in the church family, it's very loose in the sense that. You know, take minutes, have a chairman of the board, and then that chairman will – like, we could have had that. We could have had a list of instructions. Yeah. And on the, on the 12th of every month, you do – you know, like, it could be a list of instructions. We don't have anything like that. Well, it's like great that. that we don't because what we do have is the principles. Yes. We have the principles, okay? Yeah. Now, how we – uh, how we incarnate those principles in practice, how we put those into practice, is really up to us. So I think there is a lot of, uh, I think there is a lot of, um, 
a lot left to us as to how we work out these principles. You know, so you've got you've got the Anglican and Catholic traditions where you have bishops and, and it's more, more hierarchical. Mm. Then you've got the Presbyterian uh, model that is more uh, eldership based, and you have your local sessions and your and, uh, and and your synods, and and then you have the 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 congregational model, which is independent, congr- quite independent congregations, where the yeah. congregation has the final say. Uh, it's very de- the sort of democratic mm. model, really, uh, congregationalism. Um, I don't think any of them are. I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong, actually. I just, it, it, it is what it is. And, you know, some, uh, sometimes some models work better at some times than others, perhaps, you could say. You left one model off the table that I'm wondering if you did that, did, did that on purpose. There are some churches and some, some traditions out there that are very top-heavy, yeah. as in it's a one-man show. This man oh, is yeah, out there. Yeah. He is forming the church. His, yeah. his way is a highway. Yeah. And... and in in some cases, in some churches, if if the man is good, the church is great. But there's been some examples and very public examples, even in the last you know decade, yeah. uh, you know, with us. And I think a very public one that we could talk about is in that in that new reform tradition, uh, you know, the fall of Mark Driscoll and the church over in the yeah. states. There, it was very top heavy. You know, his way or the highway. He set everything up, and so when he fell, the whole church fell apart. And that mm. was one of the biggest churches in America. Yeah. You know, is and, is and that unfortunately a- that's not uncommon. Yes, um, and and yeah, that, that I no, I didn't purposely leave out that model. I mean, uh, so, so that model is where where you have your senior leader who really there's a lot more focus on that person mm. as as the senior leader, and then you, you often will have a board of elders, but they will be more. The, the next level, mm, uh, mm. really. I mean, some, some uh, again, there's a lot of different ways that people do this, but some uh, senior leaders of, in that model do very much make themselves accountable to their board uh, boards of elders. Uh, others, you know, they're, they're, you know, have a different approach to that. Anyway, um, but I think, uh, I think, I'm going to tell you... Yeah. What I think. Matthew Jacoby's personal take. I think that the more accountability we have to each other, the better. Um, I, I, I just would never trust myself enough to put myself on too high a pedestal without much accountability. Yeah. Now, there's part of me that doesn't like being accountable. There's part of me that would just like to get everything the, the way that I want it. Uh, yeah. but, I, but I'm... I am fundamentally committed to not serving that part of me. <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 I want to continue to grow and I want to continue to be challenged. And so as a leader in a church, I really love working in a team yeah. where I'm accountable to that team, where I'm accountable to a board of elders, uh, not even just to one person, but yeah. to a board of elders. Um, and uh, I, I think that's a wonderful thing, actually. And... Um, so, so I, I think there is a danger in the idea of the elevation of one person yeah. where they become almost untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the beginning of, of problems yeah. right there. That's yeah. my view. Okay. Yeah. That's that's great. Uh, look, we could spend a lot of time here. I love this chapter, chapter three here, where he goes through all the different things. Are there when, – when he goes through the different points here about, you know, you know the elders, and he's talking about being faithful to one wife, and you know da 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 da. Mm. And then he goes into deacons, and he talks about deacons. Was is are there any points in that in that list of 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 you know uh, of all the different points that he brings out that you think uh, are missed out on today, or something that we should focus on? Um, you know, are, are there anything that you know? Are these? Uh, another way of saying it is: are any of these disqualifying? You know, points where you mm. you know. Are we going, man, alive, the churches today aren't doing this, uh, you know, things like that? I think one of the things, unfortunately, that that, that this chapter has done, and it's not the fault of this chapter, it's the, it's the way that sometimes those in ministry read chapters like this, is that we, we use this to create a veneer, so we need to appear to be all of these things. Yes. <laughs> and there's so much pressure, I think, on on on, well, no, uh, I think pastors put a lot of pressure on themselves to need to appear to do all of these things, right? So yeah. if I'm not doing anything well, I, I just need to um, 
I don't know, push that to the side or if I've got problems at home or if there are um, whatever, uh, whatever's going on, uh, I, I at least need to have my family look like we've got it all together yeah, yeah. Or, or that I look like I've got this all together myself or, yeah, um, yeah that would be the death of I, – I feel like that would be the death of me. I mean, I, you know, uh, I, I do take these things uh, very seriously, very seriously mm. because, you know – uh, I think as leaders we need to be an example. Yeah. Uh, but hey, we're far from perfect. This isn't saying that we need to be mm. perfect at leaders as leaders. So, so I don't think it's. Um, I don't think we we should use this to, um, you know, disqualify ourselves if we find some imperfection. Mm. However, we also need to recognise that we, we we need to embody the things that we're meant to be talking about. Mm. Um, so yeah, some interesting things here for sure. I mean, yep. not uh, not love, not a lover of money. There, there's mm-hmm. one. Uh, I, I think that's uh, you know that's uh, important. I mean, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Mm. For if I mean, goodness me, I'll have to. <laughs> I feel like I need to work on that one. <laughs> yeah, have you, have your has your have uh, your have your beautiful children discovered this passage yet, and are beginning to use yeah, well, it? Well, you know, you know, I think I think again <laughs> the thing here. And and I and I'd encourage those in ministry to take this as an encouragement to not neglect your family for your ministry. I think that can too easily, too easily happen. I mean, the like this isn't this isn't saying that you've got to keep a you know again. This is viewing this through a broken worldview rather yeah. than the kingdom worldview. Yes, where in a, in in a kingdom of God worldview, uh, it is love and respect mm. that uh, that brings out the best uh, in people and. And you know, like, I, I can, I can, uh, the best that I can do for my kids and my family is to love them and respect them. Mm. I don't always do that well, but when I do do it well, uh, I find it brings out the best mm. uh, in, in 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 my a, family situation, yeah. my kids. You know, I, I, and and so you know, I can do that, and and I I I think it's really important, as I said, for us not to neglect our kids. Uh, for the sake of of ministry, which which does happen, and and I think, you know, there's plenty of pastors' kids who have had bad experiences yeah. because yeah. of because of that, and that's very un, un, unfortunate. So I think um, I think this is encouraging pastors to to do to, to, yeah, to do that. Yeah, be, be devoted to your family. One thing that jumped out to me is is uh, verses six and seven, where he says a church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. And that also people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into a devil's yeah. trap. Uh, yeah. Look, that yeah. is that, but those two factors there are phenomenal. Yeah. Like, you know, not being a new believer because there's a temptation to be proud in what yeah. you're achieving. And then also, Having a reputation in the community outside of the church, and people outside of the church say, "Oh, Pastor So and So or Elder So and So, great person." Yeah, I think. I mean, that's. I think that's a really important thing because there's a certain amount of life experience that's needed, really, yeah. uh, to be a leader. And so, I mean, when I say life experience, I mean life walking with God to mm-hmm. attain that that wisdom. It's not necessarily saying. I mean, someone can be young. Like Timothy was young, but I think he had a lot of experience behind him, yeah. and he was also brought up in the scriptures as well as is made clear. Mm. So um, he's, he's a strongly biblically literate individual, and and also you know I mean he, he's been hanging out with Paul, so you can't get a better apprenticeship than that. Like yeah. this guy's uh, got, got look. I, you know I think I think it is possible to thrust young people in, into positions of authority far too quickly. And you know, I think that's possibly setting them up for um, for unnecessarily failure in some sense. Able to teach this is another interesting one here. You know, I think um, uh, just uh, being a really great, you know, great person, and and with uh, you know, partic- even often very charismatic person that draws people to themselves and has lots of great vibe. I mean. I just believe biblical and theological literacy is absolutely essential mm. for uh, for leadership in the church, particularly for those who um, who teach regularly, because you know it's, you don't know what you don't know, and and I you know I say to my you know I teach the the preaching classes at Melbourne School of Theology, and I I say to my students you know I, that look if if you aspire to a regular teaching ministry. 
Like, do not take shortcuts. Don't give yourself excuses for laziness. Like, you need to be students mm. and you need to study and do the best kind of study uh, that, that you can get. Don't spiritualize laziness. Don't just say, oh, we just buy the spirit and so we don't need to study. And, yep. and uh, you know, because I think there has been a bit of a shadow cast on any sort of academic work as though that's all dry stuff and we don't need to do all that. Well, that. That's certainly not a new, not a New Testament idea. Paul himself was was uh, uh, was a real scholar, you know, mm. and mm. and I think um, uh, I think it's too easy for us to excuse in, uh, laziness and to spiritualize laziness in terms of study and 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 learning. Uh, mm. To be a teacher really is to be a learner and to be an avid learner. So so I think that able to teach thing is is important uh, uh as well for for that. You know, not quarrelsome, you know. You know, I think that's another interesting thing. It's not we, uh, I, because in in that context Paul has t- talked about not getting waylaid into endless quarrels about mm. about trivial matters. Mm. Like mm. it's like Get stick to the big picture. This is constantly saying, and I think leaders need to be big picture people. Don't get waylaid on bandwagons and have your whole church on a on a bandwagon. I mean, I've you know, th- this, and this is not unusual to see a whole church that's almost all about uh, this issue or that issue or that issue, and it's uh, like really minor theological thing, and that's their bandwagon. And, yeah, to me, that comes from a a, a leader who's not really seeing not really devoted to the big picture. Um, so, yeah, look, there's lots of interesting stuff here. First Timothy behind us, and and as we wrap up this episode, let's do a, a really flyover of the book of Second Timothy. Yeah, and because uh, that's where we're currently in. Seems um, a pity to fly over it because it's such well, an amazing book. Well, we could we could put a few more bonus episodes out there, Matt, and uh, you know really really dig in. Um, now, as we get into the book of Second Timothy, the overview here, and we've mentioned it briefly as we did the uh, overview of Timothy, is this is one of um, you know Paul's final books. Well, this is his final. This is his final letter. Final letter that we have from Paul. And in fact, this is not only is it his final letter, but this is a letter written just before he was executed. So, mm. and he knows that in this letter, it's clearly he knows that he's facing execution, mm. and he's writing this letter knowing that it's probably going to be his last mm. letter to to this young man Timothy, who he's mentored. So it's filled with this affection and with this sense of enormous hope um, but uh, this is where this letter is so rich because what do you say to the next generation leader when you're just you know that you're, you're about to be executed what do you say well it's there written in second timothy yeah i mean you've got to read second timothy like don't skip this bit no <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and in one sense, it's so melancholy for me. I mean, it's so rich in teaching. Mm. It's so, as you say, there's a deep affection as as an as an older man writing mm. to his young prodigy, his yeah. young son in the faith, as he yeah. calls him. And it, there are moments in it that are just, oh my goodness, heartbreaking. As we hear, you know, the humanity of Paul come through uh, in, in this inspired yeah. letter. It, it, one particular strain that is that is in Second Timothy, and it also is in in a, a lot of Paul. Paul's writings, it's in 1 Timothy as well, is the warning about false teachers are yet again yeah, from yeah, Paul, that again, we get it yeah. again. But in the light of in the last days, he, yeah. he says to he says to Timothy, and he says it in other passages as well, other books as well. Mm. Now remember, in the last days, people will do this. Teachers yeah. will do this. In the last days. Now, is he writing to is he writing to Timothy like that because he believes that Timothy is in the last days or does he know that the last days are coming ahead? 
I think he's anticipating a last day, that the last day, last days beyond even uh, the life of Timothy. Of course, you know, Paul is operating in in the context of the teaching of Christ, mm-hmm. um, and he uh, he, he recognise and and he's announcing the kingdom. He, he's very much equipped Paul with this kingdom vision that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated by Jesus, and the kingdom of God is going to spread throughout the earth. So that's this idea. But as I think he also anticipates, and we see this in Thessalonians as well, that the brighter the light gets throughout the earth, the darker the shadows get. There's a polarization effect, and we've mm. talked about this before. So um, the more the kingdom spreads, I think Paul is anticipating a, a polarization effect. Um, and and that's going to increase as we get towards the last, last days, days of, yeah. of the kingdom before... Um, before the return of Christ and before the final, the new heavens and the new earth, right? Mm. Uh, or insert a millennium if you want to insert one uh, in there. Um, <laughs> depending on your eschatology. Depending on your view. eschatology. Uh, so, um, so I think, uh, and look, I think it's very interesting what he says about the last days. Yes. Because um, it really looks like the time that we live. It's like, well, and, and this, he, this looks like... The last news report that yeah. I that I just saw. It, it, turn on your news, news right now. But here, so here's my question, Matt. You've just alluded to it, and, and and you know I might be putting you on the spot here a little bit, but that's my job in this podcast. Is uh, is this about your eschatological view as your view of end times? Because I know that some people view the end times as, hey, the world's just going to keep getting better and better and better, and one one day magically, it's heaven here on earth. That's somebody's eschatological view. On the other end of the spectrum is the last days are going to get worse and worse and worse. The church is going to get dwindled down and down and down to there's a faithful few hanging on and everyone is walking away and it's the times of Laodicea and it's the end and no one believes. Okay. And then Jesus comes back. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I think it <laughs> – yes, those are caricatures. I, Thank, I, you. I, I, Thank you, DJ, for those caricatures. <laughs> I'm not sure whether caricatures are helpful – uh, so l- l- let me. I'm, I'm grossly generalizing okay. here, you know, like one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, let me explain that a little more clearly. Um, so the, the the main sort of eschatologic, eschatological options, and the word esch- eschatol- eschatology comes from eschaton, which is final, last things. Okay? Yes. So what's going to happen in the future? I think no matter what your esch- eschatological view, uh, the the spread of the kingdom in this age. Is fits in all of them, really. Yes. Uh, because Jesus ushered in the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is going to spread like yeast through the dough. It's going to grow like the tree. You know, uh, that the, the end time is going to come about once the gospel goes to all of the world. Um, you know, whatever, however you see that. Now, um, uh, the, the, the eschatological view that sees this time now as the millennium of Revelation chapter 20 mm. is probably the most um, – puts the most emphasis on the success of the spread of the kingdom. Yes. It does not cancel out um, the polarization effects. It, it acknowledges the polarization effect that th- things are, are going to get better. But that doesn't mean utopia. That just means that the kingdom will indeed spread throughout the earth yeah. uh, because Satan has been bound, not that he, he can't tempt – but that he can't just out. He doesn't have authority because all authority, as Jesus said, is given to me. So, um, but even even eschatological view that sees a literal millennium. So either the church ushering in a utopian period, which yes. is post millennialism, yes, um, or uh, Jesus comes and then ushers in this utopian uh, millennium. Uh, even those still uh, recognize. A spread of the kingdom through this through this period, amen, and yep. and an increased polarization towards the last times. Yep. Now, actually, the view that even say a, a a millennial view that looks at this period and says, "Oh, things are just going to get worse and worse and worse," that actually is not a formal part of any one of those views. That's actually not really how even adherents of premillennialism, let's say, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think that's really a caricature of that view. I think that sort of pessimism should not be part of any eschatology yep. um, uh, because of Jesus' promises about the kingdom. Yep. Now, the fact that the kingdom is going to spread throughout the world, as I've said many times, it, it, 
that is going to be successful. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of his church, right? So the so kingdom's going to spread. But things are going to get worse because things are going to get better. Okay. Brighter the light, darker the shadows. It's like increased polarization and friction towards the end. So the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the wheat came to full fruition, the crop, you know, so that in Jesus' interpretation of the parable, he says to his angels, go and root out of my kingdom. Yeah. Everything that uh, does evil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the understanding is is that the weeds have come to full fruition as well, yeah. alongside the wheat. And he so had to wait and together. They, and they had to wait for them to come yeah. to fruition for the, for that action right. to be taken. That's right. So so um so this is this idea that in the beginning, like using that picture of the weeds and the wheat, they're kinda of indistinguishable. You don't know what's weeds and what's wheat, but as mm. they come to fruition, it's very clear it becomes much more polarized, and this is the this is the this idea that Paul is working with when he says in the uh, in the last days he says there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of money, uh, for, sorry, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. What a list yeah. of things. I mean, cool. these could be said about any time, but what he's saying is that these things are going to increase uh, as we get to the Now, is he base. talking about... Now, you, you stopped in that in the massive list, list there in the first five verses, but yeah. then he goes on to... And, and this is one of, uh, you know... Uh, this is a passage that, uh, you know, really, really is quite full on for me and I think it can be offensive to some people. But from verse 6 onwards, he talks about, um, again, he brings in the women factor and these teachers that are deceiving women um, in the church. Now, it, that that next passage is talking specifically about the church. So is is it... You know, is he yep. is he saying that these type of things will happen in the last days in the church, or is it just general population out there, people in the world? Um, yeah, I think I think he's saying that these things will happen in the church. So it goes mm. on for among those who, are, uh, I think he's slightly changing his his um, tense there. For among yes. those, uh, for among them are those. So he said, avoid such people. Yes, people like that. That's so he's talking about now, half. yes, right? yes. So, so he's back to now. So avoid these kinds of people. Yeah. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, uh, always learning and never able to arrive at, no- at the knowledge of truth. Oh. Now, he's talking there about a specific situation yeah. where false teachers had come, had come in to uh, a church where in those days, what he means by weak, uh, is that in those days, because remember, we're looking at a culture where women were not educated, mm, mm. only the men were. Mm. So if you're a false teacher and you want to convince someone, that's who you go to. That's yeah. you go, you know, you go to those who are most vulnerable. Yes. So what by weakness there, he means the most vulnerable yeah. to false teaching. So this is what he's describing here. Yeah. And, I, and I, in, the, in the New Living Translation, people, you know, it's translated different ways. It says exactly that. You know, he wins, they win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt yeah. of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. And these teachers oppose the truth. And then he gives the example of the of the people that stood against yeah, Moses. That's right. So I think know. what that slightly interpretive translation does, yeah. and and I, and I, I think the interpretation there is, is correct. Yeah. Uh, so the new living new living translation is a more dynamic translation. It just interprets the text. It helps it make make a bit more sense. Mm. Now it does make choices in doing yeah, yeah, that. Yes. Okay. What I'm reading from here is the ESV, which is very much your your word for uh, word. Yeah, m- much more word, sort of word for word. But I think it's got got its right. I think they were they were uh, targeting vulnerable uh, the the vul- vulnerable women in the church, mm. which was easy because women weren't educated, so they could convince them of this and that. Uh, they were also uh, their teachings were leading them uh, were, were appealing to to their sort of guilty conscience and saying mm. you need to do this and do that. And I mean mm. we've covered some of that stuff as well. But look, certainly Paul, uh, there's, there's this emphasis on this issue of false teaching that he does think is going to increase as we get as we as time goes on and look in our time the the avenues for false teaching to get out there i mean who could have imagined who could have imagined that you could jump on youtube and and you know like my uh my daughter who shall 
remain nameless, hey, said to me a couple of years ago. Yeah, how you doing? And I'll say it's a couple of years. <laughs> I'll say, you know, a couple of. Oh, Dad, did you realise they never landed on the moon? It's all. And, and, and I said, no, Dad, that's no, no, Dad. You I'm, should. I saw a YouTube thing on it. It's that yeah. didn't really happen. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the things that my kids come up with from yes. watching, and I think, oh, like who, who would have known? Like. You could put up anything, yeah, yeah, and and as long as you make a convincing case, and you know, with picture, you know, with what you can do look, making videos. I, I, I went down a rabbit hole literally this week, uh, looking at um, a new new classification of Instagram star, like Instagram, the social network sharing photos. The the Instagram evangelist, you know, mm. becomes an Instagram star, and they're an evangelist, and I'm like. Hang on, and I went down the hole looking at these people. Like, what church are they associated with? They've got like a million followers on Instagram, making mm. money from selling their stuff, shirts mm. or merchandise, whatever it is, and they just say great things and travel around on Instagram, visiting different places. And I'm like, my goodness! Again, like you said, who would have known? How, who would have known there was this many platforms oh, for people and, to and get conspiracy theories? I mean, yeah. like, and and I and I just really cautious. I would caution our listeners, if you get something, say, through Facebook or Instagram or that's alarmist, you know, and quick share this, okay, please put it by your pastor first, right? I mean, the classic one that's getting around is the King James only thing. Oh, do you realize that the NIV misses out all of these verses and and the King James is the the only version? I mean, these these have been getting around for a little while now, but it's it's a complete conspiracy theory. Mm, mm. And and it's completely false. It's based on a misunderstanding of how we actually got uh, our, our... yeah, our Bibles really, yeah. and I'm not going to explain it now. No. But you know, and then there's, I mean, uh, there's all sorts of yeah, all sorts of conspiracy theories. And you know, before you press share, mm. just like like do a little bit of research yeah. or something. You know, because uh, not just oh yeah, I checked my Bible and the NIV was missing some verse. No, actually, you, you need to talk to someone who knows that. Yeah. You know, we live in the age of information. There's so much cheap and bad information out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I one of, one of the you know in, in the old days to get stuff out there, you'd have to publish it, and so it would have to go through a review process, a peer review process. If you wanted to, you know, put something out there in biblical studies, you need to do it through biblical studies journals or publications, and so it would be peer reviewed, and and there was a natural sense of accountability uh, with that. But these days, you can just mm. put um, anything up. I mean, I say to my students at at MS. I mean, it's a it's a requirement for essays that in in your referencing, like you need to show that you have researched, peer reviewed, yeah. uh, yeah. like refereed kind of resources. Established so things. published, established resources. Yeah. They can be online, but as long as they they are what's called peer reviewed, mm. um, because otherwise, like we're in the land yeah, of yeah, anything yeah, goes. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're in the land of anything goes, and yeah. this is the age in which we live. And Paul's warnings, I think, are so are so poignant that oh, I want to find out about this, like, and, and I'm not just talking about how to you know um, fix your fridge. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, there's great YouTube saying, videos around that. There's great YouTube videos <laughs> about that. I'm talking about like theology and yes. and you know and the, and biblical studies. Yeah. Sure, like if there if there are key people who are reputable Bible scholars, mm. you know, then then absolutely, then I think that's great. But can, can don't I, just don't just take yeah. it, whatever whatever is out there. Don't don't, don't react. Don't yeah. react with it. The first reaction. Let me encourage you. Uh, you know, if 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 you're feeling a little bit convicted, you think, oh no, I just shared something like that. Look, here's a recipe for you for in the future. Step one: stop, think, pray, and then go to the Word. Just you've got the Bible right there. Go, okay, how does this match up with the Word? What what happens there? And then if you're still convinced, like you say, hopefully you've got a pastor or pastors in your life, some sort of elders or teachers in your life, you can go, hey, uh, I saw this. Uh, Am I correct in thinking this? I looked up this reference. Am I right? And then hopefully you've got someone who's discerning in your life to be able to say, oh, actually, no, that's great, or... You know, actually, no. There's an issue here. Let me show you why, yeah. and bring out something more that you don't, un- you know, yeah. you don't understand. And that's not a shame. You should never. No one should ever feel ashamed for being excited about the things of God, even if it's been, you know, misdirected. Yeah. You know, it's not a shame to to have that. Yeah. Even if you got, oh my goodness, I've believed in something silly here. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's that's not a shame. The intention was good, but maybe you need to learn yeah. learn how to how to. If you don't have that discernment yourself, if you don't have that knowledge of the Bible yourself, 
find some people in your life. And if you start asking God for that, he'll bring them That's into your right. life. Yeah, because you, you, often you just don't know what you don't know. And mm. something can seem really convincing, right? Mm. And it, it gets communicated in a way that's really emotive. Oh, you get really, you mm. know, and quick and you impulsively, you share. I've just got to let everyone know this yeah. so that they feel as convinced as what I am. But you know what? It could it could be completely false. Yes. Uh, and you could be really wrong and you're doing a lot of damage and, just by sharing it. And, and and go back to this part of Second Timothy here and think, okay, yeah. does it measure up into this? Is this a false teacher? Is someone – or even to the list of eldership requirements that was yeah. in First Timothy – Another one that should be a big, you know, factor here. If you go to that website and flashing on the top of that website, it says "Buy my book" or "Buy my merch." <laughs> right there, you go, oh gee, because it shows that they're a lover of money. First, you know, mm. before before yeah. other things. Not that there's anything wrong with selling a book or no. selling other stuff, no. but just be careful. Be it's careful. interesting, actually. Um, in the early, an early church, uh, one of the early church writings, and uh, I think it might uh, might be the Didache, which is. Um, you know, like 130 AD is like a charter for for churches. And it says there, that because evidently they had these traveling teachers. Mm. And it's interesting that, that the, the he said, you, you'll, uh, a tra- he says, if, if anyone comes to you and asks for money, they're a false teacher. <laughs> it's just like straight out. And I thought, whoa. I love, I love it. Uh, you know, yeah. It's really quite uncompromising because the traveling teacher was a big thing back in yeah, those days. Yeah. So, hey, here's a really good way. If they ask you for money, no. false teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't think – I think – well, uh, I think that's a little black and white. But, gee, it – it, it separates it worked them in, for them, yeah, yeah really well, separated. Well, yeah, but it also allows the church to say, oh, you're a traveling teacher, come in, we're going to be hospitable. You've done a great thing for us. God's blessed us. We're able to give you a gift after oh, that. Oh, that's right, you know, yeah. And, I mean, again, I mean, Paul's idea of, you know, the do not muzzle the ox while it's treading yes. out the grain, you know, yes. and, the, and the worker's worthy of his wages. Paul is, I think, you know, very adamant about that. But, um, yeah, so, so there, 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 are, there are a number of things that... that could make us suspicious. I don't think we need to be overly suspicious and cynical about everything. Uh, like, let's not go to the other end of the other end of the scale either. Which is basically um, where I live. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically, you know, yeah. I, on a good day. On a good day, I say thank you, Lord, for giving me the gift of discernment. And on a bad day, I'm like, Lord, please let me repent from this cynical worldview that I have. It's always a challenge yeah. for me. There, well, you, you and I often in our conversations, you, you'll. you'll You'll be much more black and white, yes. and you know this is false teaching. And I'll just be a bit more open-minded. And, yeah. Um, uh, well, let, listen. Ra- let's wrap it up because we could get, we could go. This is a rabbit hole. We could go long down. Let's yeah. just jump to the end here. Like this final chapter here in 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 Second Timothy, uh, chapter four, where it has Paul's final words, his final greetings, and everything like this. I, I if I was about to start reading it out, and I, th- and I think you know what, I can't read this out because I usually end up crying at some point. Yeah. The tears come to my eyes because it's so human. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's it's so it, there's there's a sense of sad here. Uh, one little point that I'd, I'd I'd like to you know make mention of is that he says that only Dr. Luke is still there with him, you know, yeah. transcribing everything, making, you know, making his notes. Obviously, Luke is writing the book of Acts and Paul is, you know, giving him uh, all that information and, 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 and there. And he says, um, you know, he says to Tim, he says to young Timothy, bring Mark with you when you come. Mm. And this is the same Mark yeah. that early on in the mission yeah. trips, Paul said, get out of here. Yeah. You're not you're not mad enough for us. Yeah, he and Barnabas uh, yeah. Had a big argument about that, yeah, you know, yeah. because Mark, I, I think, just probably faltered a little bit towards yeah. the end. Oh man, Paul was such a—he was a—he just had um, real grit yes. about him, I think. Yes. And and you, there's just because he just had, he seems to have this energy and this high standard, and and I mean, he's incredibly self-sacrificial, but he just didn't take. Um, how would you put it? He, he just wouldn't suffer fools or, yeah. or suffer any kind of uh, compromise. Or yeah. and so the moment that Mark Fault is like, get rid of him. Yeah. But Barnabas uh, really sticks with him. No, yeah. Barnabas says, no, no, we need to give this guy. He, he, there's something going on here. Yeah. Barnabas is the encourager. You yes. Know. And in the bigger picture of God's kingdom, that was God's plan to say, right, I've, I've now multiplied the effectiveness of this. Team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they're both going out. Yeah, here they go. They're separate. And, and and Barnabas takes Mark. But actually, in the end, I think this is beautiful. Yeah. Because Paul acknowledges, oh no, no, Mark, he's, he is great. You yeah. know, he, he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, he. I think it took a Barnabas to make. 
mark what he was. Mm-hmm. And and you know there there are there are these Barnabases in 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 this world who are just great at getting alongside people and and persevering and. Um, who have this kind of pastoral patience. You know, I don't think probably Paul had a lot of that pastoral patience, and that was yeah. very much Barnabas. Yeah. But he acknowledges, no, Marx, yeah. he's really, he's really, uh, he's great. He's he's doing great. So and, it's a wonderful uh, ending. Yeah. And, of course, this is the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So this, you know, and the other thing that, that I get here especially speaks very heavily to, to today, and especially, I think even the age that, we, that you are here, that Paul speaks the truth of the utter, like in, in some people's view, and there were teachers out at that time saying, this is a measure that Paul isn't from God or Paul mm. isn't being blessed mm. because he is alone being judged. And he says, everyone deserted me. I was before yeah. the judge by myself. But then Paul, he doesn't think of himself a victim. It's not a woe me thing. Yeah. He says, no, no, that tenacity comes into Paul yeah, where it's yeah. like, no, God gave me strength and I stood there. I know he's going to take me to the end yeah. and he's going to fulfill exactly what he wants to do. Yeah. And I just I, I just love that strength that Paul says that yeah. God gives him, even in this hardest end of his lifetime. Yeah. It's it's like no one can keep up with that tenacity and that the way that he endures the suffering and the persecution mm. and... And he does see people drop off beside him, and he, 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 it, it's in, it is interesting because he's not bitter about it. Or no, that, that's not the issue that he has with it. He just he, he wants people to realise, you know, this is actually this is what we, we this is what we can expect now. Mm. We just need to develop the, the fortitude to be able to uh, to be able to withstand that. Um, and uh, and it is sad that he he is sort of left, you know, he's left alone towards the end. Um, and yet there are key people there with him and Mark and Luke. And, mm. and I mean, the, it's just interesting, Mark and Luke, the two of the gospel writers, you yeah. know, are the two there that stick right through the end, mm. through to mm. the end. Mm. And that would have involved a very large measure, measure of self-sacrificial living, really, mm. to hang in there with Paul that yeah. way. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing it would have taken. So, you know, these are the people from, who we, from whom we who did their research and from whom we got the gospels. And... Um, you know, it's Paul uh, was in, in the, so this is mid sixties. So he he was according to tradition and it's pro- um, probably accurate tradition. He was beheaded uh, under Nero. Nero um, uh, persecuted the Christians, as many people know. He was really the first systematic uh, persecutor uh, of the Christians uh, of the Roman of the Roman emperors. Mm. And it was during uh, it was during a round of persecutions under Nero that Paul got. You know, put back in prison. This is where he is now, and he's uh, executed uh, by beheading. Um, I wonder whether Paul would have ever dreamed of the impact yeah. that his faithfulness and sacrifice. I mean, here he is in prison. Everyone's deserted me, yeah. and yet uh, the movement that he birthed and the churches uh, uh, that that he planted. Gave rise to a worldwide move, worldwide movement, the like of which I don't think Paul could have imagined. Mm, mm. And I think Paul, if he could see it, maybe he is seeing it. I think he he will be saying, "God was more faithful than I ever could have imagined." Such a bittersweet way to wrap up this uh, final letter from the Apostle Paul. A letter not only to his adopted son in the faith, Timothy, but also a letter to us. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but one day when we stand in glory, when I'm on the other side there, I just want to walk up to the Apostle Paul and say thank you. Thank you for the sacrifices you made in your life, uh, that you have given me such, uh, you know, all the blessing of knowing this deep relationship with Christ because of you and your writing and and the life that you led. So, uh uh, yeah, just it's, it's sad to wrap up. Now, I've got a surprise for you. Even though we've wrapped up on First and Second Timothy, we've got another sneaky bonus episode for you this week as we have final two books from Paul to talk about, Titus and Philemon. These final two letters, a letter to Titus, a letter to Philemon. We're going to jump in the studio, record that this week for you, and that will wrap up the Thrive Daily Reading for August September, October. If you get the physical copy of Thrive, you've uh, been walking around with this beautiful teal green copy for August, September, October, and we will be wrapping up this week 
for that one. And that'll take us into the new one, the Fire Engine Red, November to January, November, December 2018 into January 2019, and starting off with the book of Ezra, getting back into the Old Testament there and uh, talking about the uh, incredible time when the Israelites are coming out of exile. I cannot wait to get into that one. So now if you need to send us a question or you want to give us some feedback or you need to get a copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Plan or you want to get some bonus ones, make sure you head over to our home on the web. That is at thrivetoday.net. .au. You can subscribe there, both with a physical copy or a digital copy. And you can also, of course, send us your questions and feedback. We love to hear from you. Now, I will let Benita, the wonderful voiceover lady, come on in just a second and tell you all the ways you can find us there. But uh, until uh, next time, which will be a sneaky bonus episode with Titus and Philemon, this has been DJ Payne for Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive. Thrive.